0: How's it going, everyone? It has been Lone Vault Wanderer, and we are here with episode 107 of
1: the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me with Carrick, ACG. I want to thank uh, Lone for showing up this oh, week. Of course, you're nice. welcome.
2: <laughs> I wasn't having internet <laughs> <Showing up> issues.
1: <laughs> just joking. Just... And then what happens? What happens? Matt can't come. So it's like... I, no I know, what, right?
0: So, so clearly, like Maddie isn't here. He um, yeah. he um He's got something on, but... I'm, I'm happy to to host and record the podcast today. It's just going to be Carrick and I. And there's actually a, a lot on. There, there's a lot of news and a lot a lot of news from different sources. So we're going to just jump straight into it and discuss a bunch of things today. The very first thing being Mass Effect being put on ice, essentially. Um, so I, I'm sure you've co- covered this more closely than I have, Carrick. But for those of you that don't know, obviously Mass Effect Andromeda came out and... Didn't do too well. Uh, I guess we'll call it a polarizing game. I haven't played it, so I can't talk about it that much. But oh, you still, haven't, you still haven't played that, huh? No, because I've never been a big Mass Effect person. But, right. Right. you know, uh, so w- what happened with that team? With with the team, they decided to take employees from that team, move them to other areas uh, within EA, and they're effectively putting the Mass Effect franchise on hold. Uh, and they're still working on, on patches and fixes for Mass Effect Andromeda, but they've effectively said, you know what, we're not going to work on this game for the foreseeable future. So I want to get your yeah. thoughts on this, character because you were talking a lot about this in the, in, in the chat.
1: Yeah, I'm just sad because, uh, you know, it's iced, which I was talking to Maddie in chat and explaining it's a little different than, you know, Fallout 4 to Fallout 5. Because yeah. at that point, if you know anything about development, yeah. they may not be talking about it, but they're still they still have a team that's doing that brainstorming they they've gone out of their way to basically explain that that's not what's actually happening they've they've they moved most ever everybody to motive that developer team is no longer a a lead team which this is their first lead team that's gone they Mm -hmm. they don't even have that Uh, i think wiki even changed and um they've got people working on multiplayer of, of course and they've got people fixing some of the single player but from what it sounds like when we're talking fixing, I want to make sure people understand that's not adding. It's not like more animations. It's not like a lot of the things people had problems with. It's, you know, bug fixing, making sure that any new patches for multiplayer don't break single player, that kind of thing. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's iced. And sadly, I, I don't know if you saw this loan in the chat, but I posted a cartoon because there's a cartoon where EA says it's got its arm around bioware and it's like don't worry we're just gonna put mass effect on hiatus and then it pushes mass effect into a pile with other games they have said these words and it will blow your mind so what like, other I
0: games w- are did you retweet this picture
1: yeah it maxes um there's a ton of companies they've done this too where they're like oh we're just putting this on hiatus and then they disappear forever uh redwood studios i think hmm. um i think that's the term but they had this this cartoon was great. It's a black and white cartoon, and it just showed a bunch of bodies in this in this like pile. And BioWare's was like the last one that fell in, and and it was Jeez. just like this is the pile. And it dawned on me because I was I guess you know I just didn't think about it. It dawned on me how many times EA has said something's on hiatus, and it either never returns or returns as a mobile title on Android well, or something. Well,
0: so, so they've <laughs> said this
1: about this, right? But this
0: is this is Mass Effect we're talking about. And look. It could very well be that they get another developer to work on Mass Effect in the future, um, but this is Mass Effect we're talking about. Surely this is a title, given its fan base, even though it's a bit divided at the moment, that they would want to you know make another game for in the future, but maybe give it a bit of a break and maybe you know reassess and see which developer is best or which developers are best, make a, a new smaller team. I mean, surely this can't happen with Mass Effect.
1: Well, I mean... You know some people obviously in development as well as I do. One of the things that sort of scares me is there's really only two ways to look at it. One, you're continually looking at the sequel and you're starting to work on it. Fallout yeah. 4 to Fallout 5 kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the other is that you're not. And if you're not, you're also not improving on ideas because you're separating the, the time from when you worked on the game to when you will work on the game. That's also mm-hmm. for a lot of developers. When you talk to them, they lose that fire a little bit. So Mass Effect Andromeda... I'll just say this, when you see the UK sales charts and you realize that on all three combined platforms, it sold less than one month of Horizon Zero Dawn for just the PS4, it shows to you that we may not know their numbers right now, but I would certainly say that there is an incredibly good chance that it performed spectacularly low for them. And when you're talking about the single player thing we've all heard about, like Microsoft has even said... Single player without multiplayer components, very hard to make those kind of things. I can certainly see EA stepping away for, we we talked about this on my podcast, we guessed the time and the time honestly sucked, but most people assumed it would be five plus years before we see them look back at Andromeda and, and it won't be Andromeda. Like that's, that's another thing. Like, will it be Mass Effect Andromeda too? And I just don't think it will. I think that they'll, you know, I mean, would you agree? Like, would they return to that? Versus something else?
0: I I don't think they will, because I I think gamers have shown that they don't forget anything. The internet doesn't forget (laughs) anything, right? Oh, man, we're like a bunch
1: of elephants, digital (laughs) (laughs) elephants.
0: We really are. But if you did a a Mass Effect Andromeda 2, and again, being someone that hasn't played it but has seen a lot of reviews about it, it sure. would just be like, oh no, they're, like they're beating that dead old horse, they're, they're going back to the game that wasn't really that good, and and maybe they w- they would try and reboot, for the lack of a better term, and just start fresh and, and do something else. My only, um, I guess, issue is that I don't think there's anyone else better to try and work on if if the new game was related to Andromeda there wouldn't be anyone else better to work on that game than the developers themselves because they they better than anyone else would know what exactly went wrong with the game like they would every day have seen fan criticism common criticism and my fear is if you move to a different developer that knowledge is lost it it, it yeah. kind of happens within teams sometimes where a big catastrophe, a big problem happens. And then they're like, all right, we're going to learn from our mistakes. But then two years passes and then employees change and no one remembers what really happened in the right. past. Uh, that, that's one of my genuine fears.
1: Yeah. No, I would agree. Rare is that way. I always tell people the rare we used to know back in the old days is not mm. the rare that we know now. And it doesn't yeah. mean that they can't perform, right? It doesn't mean we can't get excellence from them. We we can. It's Mm -hmm. just simply saying that whatever made whatever dynamic made those. And I'm just going to be honest. I've worked at places where where CEOs have left. And I can tell you when the two doctors left, the people that were within BioWare, there was a lot of people there who were like, though, there is something about the spiritual leaders of a company, regardless if they're in day to day anymore, whatever, leaving. It is Mm -hmm. a huge blow. And a lot of people have left. And and if we add more time, five years or whatever, I just don't know what they would do. Like, I mean, what do you do? Do you say, you know, we're rebooting, we're rebooting Andromeda. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make you any could sense. say we're remastering one, two, and three, which probably would make more sense because you'd have at least a second generation now of systems more powerful. Hmm. Um, but you still come up to the ending of Mass Effect three, which was also contentious. So you have yeah. two contentious issues now. Um I'm it sucks, dude, because I I can't tell you how many bad times like Mass Effect one got me out of Yeah. because it was it wasn't a great time in my life. And that was I, I used
0: it, you know, so if you had the decision, if this was up to you. What would you do with the Mass Effect franchise moving forward? And again, this is hard for us to talk about because we can only speculate about numbers. And if it was the case that Mass Effect didn't sell sell too well, then you know I, I don't know how my decision would would change. But if it was up to me, and I'll get your opinion on it, I would probably you know wait out a couple of years, like with every new game release. Like it, unless you're a Call of Duty or something, you're not jumping back into developing a new game straight away. Um, but maybe that's different for some developers. But I, you know, take a break for a couple of years, maybe re-release um, Mass Effect One, Two, and Three as remastered versions, get people hyped up for you know for that franchise again, and then again release something different, a, a standalone that's not related to Andromeda that tries to go back to the roots of Mass Effect. That that would be my decision. But what what would you do differently?
1: I would I would agree, except except what I would want to make. In all honesty, I feel that. Uh, whether it be old fans or new fans, there is something about the you know I don't know what you call it the gung ho ness of the shepherd series, and I yeah. do believe that if somebody said, "Okay, we're doing Mass Effect four, we're setting it forward two hundred years," uh, you know, from when all the stuff happened, here's your canon in, in ending from three. Yeah, I I honestly believe that the biggest mistake they made was by really removing themselves and going to Andromeda, and the reason why. It was because they said hey this is a whole new place but oh whoops we forgot to tell you all the same aliens are going and mm. there was this issue where a lot of gamers were like what exactly is why why are we somewhere different like yeah. what's if okay i get that you don't like shepherd but let's have shepherd be a myth now like 200 years later and you know the, the we've fallen on hard times and um you know and we have to sort of pick ourselves up in the where we were but what happens is you remove us and you say we're humans but we're in Andromeda with the same aliens from the originals. And there, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies there. So to me, I would just do four, I would say mass Effect <laughs> one, two, and three remasters. And then just say, here is your sequel. We are, you know, in the shepherd timeline, not pretending it doesn't exist. Cause that's one of the problems. <laughs> it felt so weird to have like, even a dev I talked to was like, uh, nothing happened in the mass effect world after the Andromeda <laughs> people left. And I'm like, no, we know what happened. He's like, no, they don't though. And I'm, it, it you know, it just didn't make yeah. a lot of sense. And here's another thing that people don't like to admit, but the entire time you're traveling to another solar system, they could continually send you data beh- right behind you. Even if you're both traveling at light speed, it would get there moments after you did or however long it took for them to send it. So you would know what was happening. The entire time. So once you got to Andromeda, you would have all that data. And there was some, there was a couple oddities there where they were like trying to pretend you wouldn't know anything, but that would be only if, you know, and they wrote it into the narrative. I think there were so many little caveats. It would be like me and you trying to pretend Maddie never existed on the channel. (laughs) And so when he showed up, I would be like, no, that's a disguise. That's, that's actually Carrick. You know, Uh, it it just doesn't work, man. It feels dishonest. I mean, to me, it feels dishonest. Well. It is interesting. I mean,
0: if this was a, a franchise that I personally was very invested in, I would be just as upset as as every other fan is getting. Um, but I, I think we at least need to recognize, and again, someone that hasn't played the game, but I've seen half, pe- half of the people that talk about Mass Effect Andromeda do like it and half of them mm-hmm. don't. Uh, maybe no, maybe sort half half. Maybe more people don't like it, but there is a good contingent of people out there on the internet that actually do like this game. So I guess we got to recognize that. But is that enough to base a franchise on? And is that enough to sell games? Maybe not. Uh, maybe there's not enough people. Maybe there's just too much negative sentiment around this game to try and push it forward, and maybe it is, like you said, right to just go back to, to Mass Effect 4 and say, you know what, we're going to do this. And, and I don't even know if this is possible or not, but would a sequel to that game, Carrick, I guess, put out some of the, the, the bad taste in people, people's mouths with the ending of Mass Effect 3? Would that be possible to kind of retweak it if you were to make a Mass Effect 4?
1: <clears throat> okay, so Mass Effect, the, the thing that's really confusing about Mass Effect 3's ending is that I picked the bad ending. Mass Effect okay. 3, y- you crash and you see at the very end Shepard take a single breath. And here's the thing I always tell people. Um, they spent money to create a render, to create models to create that. There was a reason why that cutscene, that moment was created. Yeah. There's nothing nothing in the world that couldn't say that, you know, Mass Effect 4, you find that Shepard you know, was dug out of the debris and at that point decided the world needed to go on without him. So he became this blah, blah, blah. And maybe you're a descendant of, you know, his, his lineage. He, 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 or she went off and had kids, whatever, whatever I mean, you want to do. He had a sex with a lot of people, man. <laughs> well, yeah, well that, that would be a mini game, but um, you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could, you could do that. And I think that it's, I'm just going to be honest. Everybody I talked to, if they liked mass effect Andromeda, they did not like it. In the way that they liked one, two, or three, ah, okay. and if people who have not played one, two, or three, they liked Andromeda, but they had so many caveats to its like. Like when I do a review, usually I expect this: "You're a dumbass. This is the greatest game ever." Right? We talked mm. about this right prior to the mm. podcast, and I did not get that on Andromeda. Most people were like, "Listen, it's buggy. It's fucked. It does this. It's wrong here. It doesn't give data here." But I'm I'm enjoying it. I think that's the difference, and I think that people would love. It would be cool. On I don't know. What do you think? Like I think it would be cool if Bioware said, "Yeah, that was wrong. We are just going to go back to like it makes people like shit. Like they've they've shown with purchases, they've shown with with all this fan stuff that they like Shepard. We're going to go back to them. I would be okay with that because to me, it would be a company responding to fans.
0: And and you know what? That's the me. the thing I will say about gamers is that they can be forgiving at at, at mm. times. So long, like even though there's a bad game in Mass Effect Andromeda or, you know, an average game, whatever you want to call it, so long as with the next game that it's good and they listen to fan feedback and, that, and they incorporate what everyone said about that previous game, you know, to an extent, then fans are, are going to be pretty forgiving in that regard. And, and yeah. I think, you know, a, a good example with this is Prey, for instance, Carrick. I mean, on Steam, yeah. Prey has, the game has its problems, but on Steam, the game has a 9 out of 10. And it's yeah, getting it's relatively positive reviews. I think on average, it's getting an 8 out of 10. And we will talk about Prey news later on in this video. But the point that I'm making, you know, with Steam and also the the user reviews on Metacritic, the game's getting a relatively good score. Even though a lot of fans were still upset about Prey not being Prey 2. Right, right. You know what I mean? But they're like, you know what? And I don't know whether it's the same fans. Of course, it's the internet. But at least there is not this widespread negative sentiment with regards to this Prey just because of what happened with Prey 2. People still saw this game in isolation and said, it's an okay game. It's a good game. We're going to give it this score. An 8 out of 10 and 9 out of 10. And that's what I mean about fans being forgiving. So if they were to come out with Mass Effect 4 try and continue that, that uh, timeline and it'd be a good game and it's staying true to the previous titles, then you're back on track, really, because it's shown time and time again that fans can be
1: forgiving. And you and I, but we've talked about this tons of times on the podcast, but we know people who are just getting into gaming. My nephew's yeah. just getting in. He doesn't know what Prey 2 was going to be, and he exactly. doesn't give a shit. Right. He doesn't care. You and I are talking about it because we run game websites and we run game like, man. so there's, there's a large number of people, even on steam who are new owners of prey and they don't know about prey one, you know, which is a great game. I, man, I really liked prey one.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, they, they don't know that prey two was a trailer somewhere. They just don't <laughs> give a shit. Right. And I like to surround myself with both kinds people who do have that memory, but I love having some of those people who don't because that man. institutionalized hate. And institutionalized, continued disgust towards gaming doesn't necessarily do anything other than sort of self-propagate this righteous ideal that, like, we were right and you were wrong and pray. Mm. I had somebody who did say, well, uh, GameSpot gave it a 5.5 out of 10 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And one of the first things I said is every single game has its outliers. This game is no different. It's the fact that the names are different, and that's Mm. bothering you. But here's what's even weirder. Most people say they don't trust GameSpot or IGN. So why do you trust them now? And that's the weirdest thing that's is big. I'll have people posting who will say, you know, uh, I come to you, you know, blah, blah, blah. IGN gave it this. So does it actually suck? And I'll be all, oh my God, are you that, like, are you that easily swayed? Because if you are, then let me sell you a bunch of my shit and, and call it gold because yeah, yeah. I, I need some cash. So uh, I, I hope to see Mass Effect 4 in four to four to five years. That's what I would love to see that. Yeah. I would all love to right. see Well,
0: in a very similar vein, the next news story, Hitman, all right? So Square, Square Enix has decided to... What was the word they used? They've withdrawn from the business of IO Interactive, um, and they cited a pretty big loss. I think it was 4.9 billion yen, which would be around 40 million-ish US dollars. Yeah. And they've pulled out from IO Interactive, and essentially this... We don't know what's going to happen with Hitman, right? They still own the IP, you know, um, as, as my understanding goes. So they it could uh, realistically make a, a new Hitman game. But what, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Because with Hitman, it's an it's an interesting case because they they tried to revive it with the, with the episodic nature, and for a while I thought it was doing okay. Like I thought people act, actually enjoyed it, but it doesn't seem like it it made any money. In fact, I lost a bunch of money. So what what do you think about this?
1: Um, I'm on a, I'm sort of under NDA for some stuff in particular sure. about Hitman, uh, but there is going to be a season two and they are definitely more than halfway through it. And that's one of the things Square Enix just posted today a little bit ago as a clarification. Yeah. I saw that. Um, yeah, so I, i uh, mm. so with Hitman, it, di- I think what you're looking at, to be honest, and this is something that was brought to my attention is that Square has some really good products and some okay products. And Hitman is a good product, but it does cost a lot of money yeah, and of course. it's a good pr- it's a good product though, and it actually did sell fairly well. And so what's happening is or the I- the idea I'm hearing from a couple people who trade in, in game stocks and stuff is the idea that square took what they felt was their best package that they could sell and make some money to offset, and that is actually Hitman. So in a way, this is the best time to sell it because it is doing well and because it is high on game. And so another company, an EA, a Microsoft, an Activision, a Sony can look at this and go, you know what? We want Hitman to be exclusive for the PS4 or we want Hitman to be exclusive for EA, you know, uh, origin or whatever. You know, so I actually think that from for all intents and purposes, what I've heard and some of the stuff I know is that we will for sure be seeing a season two. It's just sort of what like what name they work for under the umbrella, if that makes sense. Like, Mm. and, and I I do, when I talked to David, the, um, the voice actor, he did say that, you know, like, I mean, he hinted around how much it can cost for voice acting. You know, it's, it's not a cheap game like to make, you would think it might be right. You look at it Mm. and you're like, Oh, they're, they're walking around these, but it's like all the voice acting blows the cost of the game up to stratospheric levels. So
0: well, what I want yeah. to do now, like as we're talking about this, is actually see. I don't know if you know off the top of your head who owns the, the rights to Hitman, because when I first read this, I didn't think I was reading it as Squ- Square Enix is going to sell IO and they're going to sell Hitman at the same time. I thought that they'd keep Hitman on board and sell IO, but are you saying that they're actually going to sell both as part of this kind of package deal to, no, to an act deal or you- whatever?
1: You're right. That's what everybody thought. That's why the clarification came out. They are selling both. They are going to relinquish wow. Hitman to IO. IO wants Hitman and IO believes that it can do, that it can like succeed with Hitman and with the, with the work they have in place. And so it, 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 they did do that clarification pretty much for exactly what you said. Cause I read it too. And there are a lot of people that we have you, I know have some legal background and some of my yeah. fans do And they were all, that's the weirdest PR press release we've seen in a long time. Like it didn't, mm. the wording was weird. The way they were talking about things was weird. Even though, like you said, like offsetting, like it's Some. it almost sounded like they said they were selling it. And that was what was causing the loss. Like there mm. was some really oddities in the language, um, which could indicate something behind the scenes too. Maybe IO said it's going to cost another 20 million. And if they think they can only get forty for it, then yeah. you know.
0: But is is they... the, is the problem here? I'm, I'm saying a bit of a trend, and we, we just talked about Mass Effect Andromeda, and yeah. obviously Microsoft had has those recent comments about multiplayer games and, and wanting to really go with them. The problem here seems to be unless you're a huge publisher like an Acti, even like a, a Bethesda nowadays, and etc., that you can't really profitably create a single-player game like a hitman because they're so expensive and there's just not that return anymore and and the return is really in games with online compatibility and online multiplayer etc but the weird thing about that argument is that square enix isn't small but maybe they are small enough so as to say you know what single-player games aren't profitable for us They're, they're not a good business venture you really need to have the scale of an acti or an ea to actually make a a good amount of money off of those games and that and to to put the money in to development because it's it's millions of
1: dollars like so expensive and and they may be not happy with how some of their their projects are lost leaders for so many years the final fantasy games take forever to make there's there's a lot of loss on a lot of their titles that end up being successful but mm. a single-player game can probably be made. It's just that if it isn't successful, there is a chance that your company is done, and that's yeah. one of the things that that's can scary. suck. That's scary as hell, and and that I can see why a Microsoft has said what they've said, and Sony has. You know, Sony doesn't say it the same way. Nintendo doesn't say it one way. Microsoft, but they all see the same numbers. Like they're mm. they're all going to go about it a certain way, yeah. and you can't take you can't take so many hits. And I think for sure. That that's exactly what's going on is that Square looked at their stuff and they're like, man, Final Fantasy costs a bunch. Plus, we had to rewrite because they did the DLC that sort of added to the story. Yeah. You know, like, what do we do? And then they do Kingdom Hearts, right? And they still haven't shown anything from the new Kingdom Hearts game, right? Three. Mm-hmm. For wow. forever. So, So, you know, maybe they're paying for the development behind the scenes for those kind of things. And they're just like. So you're, you're essentially
0: saying like and again I, I thought square enix was pretty big but they're not big enough to support that many single player titles that's like what you, it sounds like you, you need
1: mm-hmm. something that's easy to make and brings in a lot of money essentially yeah, you do you do and people at microsoft that's one of the reasons why i do like microsoft because uh they just did their build conference did you watch any of that no i didn't that they did so they covered a bunch of fi- sort of financial but sort of just how it all yeah. looks and they, they were saying that, like, the president of Microsoft came out and he's like, listen, Xbox is number one. We're never getting rid of it, that, which yeah. I think he said because people have always wondered, you know. Are they going to drop started, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he started talking about just, like, what makes – like, sort of how things make money. And their graphs are insane. Mm. They were, I mean, they have stuff, and we've talked about the metrics you can get, but they have, like – People of a certain age living with their mom spins this much. People of a certain age living with their girlfriend spins. And you're just like, damn, son. Mm. And so they and and Sony has the same, right? Of course. And so I think I think Square has the same in some way. Uh EA, Activision. And they look at it and they're just like, yeah, it's not an environment that is incredibly healthy for a single player massive game. That doesn't have an ins- insanely high chance of succeeding, even though Hitman did really well yeah. when it came to critical acclaim and and stuff like that. So, also, Hitman Online, being online, uh, and and I have you got to play any of the this Hitman no, game? No, I've this- never been a, b- a big Hitman fan. So I am, but the online turned a lot of people off, and and it costs money to run those servers, a yeah. ton of money. And so sometimes I wonder too if like. IO is saying no, we don't want to drop the online because we want this and this and this. And Squares like we can't afford to run like these open servers for this long, uh, for this one company that's going to take this amount of time to make season two. That True. I mean, there's there's some weirdness there with with how you do because online's not cheap. You know, we talk about online, but that's yeah. if you have cosmetics and and skins and mm. shit. It's like at some point that can be expensive.
0: So then let's talk about next steps for IO. Then if there was going to be a, a publisher that purchased IO and Hitman, who would you want that to be?
1: Oh, dear God.
0: I mean, that's a
1: tough question because... That's a tough question. First of all,
0: I want to assume that it's going to be a pre-established publisher, like a a company within the games industry, a Take-Two, et cetera, to actually buy um, Hitman and and, and IO. But in terms of who should actually make it, I I think that's going to divide... No, not who should make it, sorry, who should purchase it, but it's still right. going to have an influence on, on the game
1: and the development. Um, uh, I think uh, that's going to divide one. fans. Yeah. Deep Silver. Great, Deep great
0: Silver. choice! Yeah. yeah, dude, Deep Silver,
1: I know a lot of people don't like all their games, but Deep Silver is sort of like Ubisoft, but not as hated, where yeah. they're they're releasing huge games and small games, and you don't really realize that Deep Silver's icon comes up in this game, but, you, but then you realize it, and you're like, holy shit, Deep Silver's done a lot of stuff. Paradox is very good, but Paradox is pretty small. But I would say that Deep Silver and how they embrace single player and how they embrace people actually making some pretty unique games. I would love to see Deep Silver versus an EA, an Activision or something like that. I would love to see Deep Silver get it because I actually believe that Deep Silver is in the middle ground, which is safe right now, where you can there. It's almost dude. It's almost like. A fat runner. You don't expect them to do very well. But if they do, <laughs> you're like, holy shit, right? And Deep Silver sorta of like the little chubby runner running the hundred. And you're like, Man, that dude might get like third place. That's yeah. awesome. So, and so that's let, Deep Silver. Let's
0: talk about Deep Silver then. We've got Metro Series, which is the first franchise that I thought of when you said Deep Silver. Oh that's I, that's doing I, well, right? Dead Island. Uh, Dying, the first. Dying Light dying light did very well persona did fantastically well i mean persona 5 had uh stock issues in australia it was selling that well um oh wow i did not know that so and that but then you have some other ones like mighty number
1: nine etc and so deep silver so it's funny we joke about dead island dead island did insanely well so uh, for its its money versus sales even though i i found that i personally thought dying light was better um Homefront Revolution didn't do well, even yeah. though I, I thought it was okay. Um, they I'm just looking at some of their some of their titles. They do have the Gothic series, or at least did. They have Stalker, Clear Sky, Risen series. They also have, they have a lot well. of older stuff, which yeah. I think is awesome. They did Dreamfall chapters, which didn't turn out so well, which is probably the worst news for me hmm. in all of gaming, because I'm such a, a Dreamfall fan. Um, I think that Deep Silver would, yeah, Deep Silver, Kosh, uh, what do they call it, cock Co- media kosh Co- media kosh Co- Co- media yeah 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 i was calling cock media and i'm like i don't think that's right <laughs> uh, um yeah that would be great uh because after that dude we're getting to the two bigs or the two smalls right i mean like paradox sure. is probably 505 games 505 games has had some growth recently abzu and a couple others they've been contacting me a lot and i've been surprised each time mm. you know i have a question for you yes here's here's a name out of the blue what if tomorrow Sega did Hitman? <laughs> what would you think of that?
2: But you what know, do you, think you of know Sega? what
0: though? S- Sega is, is starting to ramp up. Like, like they are. It's it's like their investment is. Several years back, they started to make investments, <laughs> yeah. and now they're starting to reap
1: the rewards. A- around now, Th- that wouldn't be a bad choice. It would be weird, but I, I agree. Like, and they are. That's the thing. They back up. Not only big titles, but they have some, you know, the Bayonetas or the the uh, Vendet. Uh, what is that? vendetta uh, The uh, robot game, Vanquish. Yeah. Um. Then they have Sonic. You know. So they have. Yeah. They go back and forth. And I would love to see. I would love to. And you know, Sega's had a, a ton of success with uh, Warhammer. Uh, with the Warhammer. Uh, I'm sorry. The uh, Total War series. Total War. That's right. That's yeah. Called. Yeah. So they've got some money in their coffers, probably for that.
0: Yeah. And okay, then let's cover the worst case scenario. What happens if <laughs> what what happens if Square Enix we, can't find a buyer?
1: What happens then? Then Vivendi comes in. I don't know. Like I'm I maybe Vivendi.
2: Now oh they're concentrating
1: God. on Yubi. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's what I'm worried about, dude. Is that like I mean I don't see it happening. Like because I mean at some point you would think you would think that a company would just look at it and go okay guys like i mean well for example um you said that i think square said they lost 40 million yeah, it turned out to be like okay so so phil spencer alone is is greenlighting 40 million dollar games so just on his own uh, just not just lost mm. but like just yeah and and try this so some of the heads like sony uh, Nintendo, Microsoft, Nintendo, obviously not on this list, but Sony and Microsoft. It, I would rather have them jump in. This is going to piss off a lot of people. I would rather have them than an Activision or an EA. And here's why I'm not really super happy with Activision and I'm not really super happy with EA. And I would rather see Hitman made exclusive on a console or a PC console or, or, or some kind of combination than not at all.
0: You know what? That, that, that's actually a fantastic point because we we keep talking about how Microsoft and Xbox needs those exclusive, like big exclusive titles because Sony's been knocking it out of the park. Wouldn't this yeah. be a perfect fit for Microsoft to pick up? They have the scale. Yeah. They, they they have the ability to make a lot. They have the servers. They have they the have servers. Like I, I, that could actually be a pretty good choice. And even though. It's even though it's not going to be exclusive though. Like people will say, well, it's just going to be on Xbox One. No, it'll probably be Xbox and, and
1: PC. Um, yeah. just just not PlayStation. Well, maybe uh, it and is. it's Windows. Yeah. Microsoft laughs every time anybody says that they like. There's something wrong with a Windows game. They're like, we're making money, whatever. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, that that could be a, a
0: pretty good fit for Microsoft. They might see this and be like, you know what, we need a, a blockbuster IP because we're kind of lacking. Although we say we're lacking, but. Uh, they're lacking, sorry. But I think they're holding their cards to their chest and they're waiting for E3 to, to announce a bunch of shit. Like, that's my yeah. best guess for what they're doing. But we're talking about in the future here, Hitman could be a good addition to that lineup.
1: Oh, yeah. And, I mean, again, I want to make sure, because right now people are writing us death threats. We're not talking about just <laughs> on the first choice. We're saying if instead of IO going the way of, you know, insolvency, going in the way of, you know, yeah. like, like complete bankruptcy or whatever, or just being gone... Or Square keeping them and, you know, like barely giving them any cash. We're talking about to continue the Hitman IP. Yeah. And I yeah. think of, of all of them that fit, um, it, most likely right now, it would be a Microsoft to 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 purchase them uh, like a Bungie, Bazaar. What did they have? They had the three Bs, Bungie, Bazaar, and BioWare. Hmm. And um, they sold them all in the same like year as well as they bought them all in the same general timeline. So I could see them saying, you know what, we're going to. We're going to do this. It really does, I think, matter on what they think they can turn around quite quickly, too. And it does sound like whoever buys IO is going to be pretty lucky because, like I said, Hitman's already got work done on it. It's not like yeah. you're buying that question mark. You know what I mean? You, It's sort of a known entity, which is nice for, okay. for anybody.
0: Fine. And and now here's a, a a last. Again, if we assume that you know Square Enix can't find a buyer and they, they right. need to sell, what if... And Nintendo would have come in at the end and say, <laughs> "We buy because I hey, look what happened with Bayonetta. We, we we're gonna, oh, true. we're gonna buy Hitman, and we're gonna start releasing it exclusively on Nintendo consoles." I'm not saying that that's the best situation because obviously maybe fans of Hitman aren't on any Nintendo consoles, but I'm talking about from Nintendo's perspective, that could be a, a pretty good
1: purchase. Might not. I mean, the honest truth is I think Hitman looks pretty good right now, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure the Switch would, would look very good, uh, but I could see that if they, portability, like they could, you know, build some stuff into that. It, it, would, be, it yeah. would be one of those times where we were probably all sitting around a table going, I never really thought that would happen. Like, <laughs> it's, just because it's also a pretty mature, um, it's a pretty mature title, and a series, and it's known for the you know garroting and and stabbing and poisoning. <laughs> like Nintendo's, like play Smash Brothers or play kill everyone. Yeah, <laughs> Nintendo's like, well, now you
0: can play the next payday on our Nintendo Switch that's family true. friendly console. That's,
1: fuck, dude, you're right. That's payday too. I forgot. It's a weird world. That's a weird world. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's no, it's you know what? It'll be interesting to see what happens with IO and. Um, and Hitman. But let's talk yeah. about Prey. So the reason why we didn't make Prey one of the, the head highlights of, of this podcast is because I believe Matty, um, the day before this podcast goes live, or maybe the day after, he's releasing a, a Prey video. Maybe I wasn't meant to say that. But anyways, he's going to be talking about it. We didn't want to talk about it too much or make it the, the title of this video. But we still want to talk about Prey because, all right, I'm about 11 hours into it, Carrick. So And, and we're not going to talk about spoilers because it's still a, a pretty new game. Right. Yeah, definitely Um, not. The the first thing that I want to talk about is the performance of this game because I played nine hours. I think it was like eight or nine hours, and made a video about how that the the performance of Prey was not as bad um as Dishonored Two. Like it was it was a relatively okay PC port, and I still stand by that, but literally as soon as i uploaded that video and started playing again i noticed uh, i was getting frame drops in certain areas and I, I was just in this one room and you can see the stream of it on my twitch and see how bad those frame drops were there was this one big like reactor room or something like that where my game was frame dropping like you it was like running at 20 to 30 frames Con- consistently in that room and mm-hmm. even though I just installed the latest NVIDIA driver hotfix that fixed the apparently, anyways, to fix some stuttering issues. Um, also, Prey just came out with an update. I don't know if I'd. I, I think I had that installed as well. But the game still has. Um, PC issues here and there. It could be just my PC. But aside from that area, the game still seems to be running pretty okay. I think it's just a problem area. In fact, I saw an article, I think it was on an IGN. It is, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So I think I saw an article that said everyone is having those exact same issues in that one area because it's so big. And my worry was like, well, imagine if Prey was an outdoor game. Would the game just be running at 20 frames throughout the whole thing? But aside from that... um, it, it, the, the, the port's been running good for me. I say port, but it's the PC version's been running good for me. What are your experiences in terms of, of graphics and frames with that game?
1: Yeah, uh, it's uh, Horizon Zero Dawn had the same issue. It had one particular uh, building, by the way, yeah. and no one could figure this out. And that's a console game, like yeah. so. So you don't have to worry about all these different uh, systems. And it was having tons of issues in one particular room, and they patched it. Usually, it's a culling issue. Uh, it's something where the you know it's overdrawing too much, and there's mm. no need, or there's a special effect that's doubled mm. up. Um, I have been really surprised in how well that ran. The Xbox One does have a couple issues with some yeah. particular foli- foliage and the PS4 normal has a couple issues PS4 Pro didn't really seem to make a, a huge difference there um but overall I'm the, the only thing I noticed and I mentioned this in the review that I'm not in love with is that the the input delay there's a little bit of an input delay that remains from the demo on the PS4 version the Xbox one version seems like it's running fine but there's this odd feel. I just, it's so subtle for some people and some people hate it, but it's a, a sway. It's where like you hit and your brain is telling you it should move, but it didn't. Oh, it just did. And wow. um, PC, of course, my uh, PC, that thing runs spectacularly well. I think I'm usually at about 160 frames per second. Shit. And yeah, it's insane. Um, So I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all things considered, I, I was expecting... Just because it's a PC, not because it's Dishonored, because they're different engines. I was yeah. expecting, though, that, you know, just because it's PC, right? Like, you can never know. You never and know. Man, man, I was so happy, dude. I was so... I was like... I'm not. I, you shouldn't even be happy. You should yeah. be expectant that it runs well. But, you know, but, and again, it's it as nice. you
0: said, different engines, but also different developers. It's Arcane, mm-hmm. but they're yeah. different developers. It's the Texas branch. Um, right. So, and you know, e- even though I had that one area where there were frame drops, I, I, I got to say, like you just mentioned, Horizons: Era Dawn, as an example of where that happened. It also happened in Breath of the Wild. I mean, this is yeah. one area, and maybe it's a slight spoiler. I won't say. I'll, I'll say the name: Kikiri Forest. Right. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else, that game, especially in handheld mode, ran pretty well. Once you get into TV mode, there started to be frame drops in certain areas, and and when the combat was heavy. But you go to Kikiri Forest, handheld or TV, that game drops frames like no tomorrow. And they released <laughs> a patch, quote unquote patch for it, and it was still the exact same. Um, so you know, but the thing is, that didn't take away from from my experience of the rest of the game. I was like, you know what? It's this one area that's bad. As soon as I exit it, it'll probably be good, and it, and it was. You know, the, the game ran pretty well, relatively well after that, at, at stable frames. Um, yeah. So, but talking about PC issues, I know you want to mention this. IGN's review, four out of ten. So, if for people that don't know, IGN reviewed Prey. They they gave it a four out of ten, and the main reason behind that score, as far as I could see, is that IGN was one of the rare instances of Prey having a game-breaking bug where the save file corrupted and they just couldn't continue. It was just completely bugged out for them. And you can't deny that it was bugged out for them. The fact is it was. But the discussion... Was whether they should have released a final review and gave it a four out of ten, or whether they shouldn't have given a, a score at all and just talked about their uh, thoughts about the bug because they didn't finish the game. Whether, as Carrick said before the podcast, they should have released a, a review in progress instead of actually doing the final thing. And once the game started working again, they can t- they can you know do the final review, mention they had a game breaking bug, consider that into the final score. But then you know, so, so there's a lot of things that people are saying that iGen should have done. I want I want to get you thoughts as to IGN's review and then we can have a discussion on it.
1: Yeah, I mean the the real question is if that's a 4, what a fu- what the fuck does a game have to do to get a 0? Yeah. If it doesn't run, if you can't play it and if you can't beat it. I don't expect a reviewer to beat every single game. There are issues. I've had bugs where I mm. could not complete a game and I would still do a review if it was 95% of the way through. Yeah. But but what we're seeing here is a situation that's questionable uh, for a couple reasons and it's certainly something that that like, I don't know what this person experienced. So that's very difficult. Yeah. And I wouldn't, w- I wouldn't want somebody second guessing me because, but I, here's the, the difference. They wouldn't have to, because I would never release that review. It okay. would never happen. It would not happen. And there was a slight attempt and it stopped pretty quickly, but there was a slight attempt to try to blame it on Bethesda's review policy to which I just have to say, everybody else was under the same review policy. Yeah, Don't ever say that because if you do. If you say that one single game and a release list and it's slight change to the embargo has thrown you off so much that this is the result. There's an intrinsic problem within your entire company. Mm. You should never be able to do reviews again, because if that's so easy, if you're so easily messed up by a day one and guys, I'm sure you've seen this. I've got games where just because of the time frame, I only have a couple days to do the review, sometimes yeah. one, and guess what? You play the game till you're done. Or whatever, and or close then you it, yeah. do the review, or close to it, yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's, but we don't know. That's the thing, dude. Like I, it's I really want to like I sort of distance myself from it because I'm like I don't know what he experienced. I was told, and I read one of his tweets that sounded like it actually removed four to six hours of his gameplay, but he was able to continue. If that's true, and it still got a four, it's odd because he, in his own review, says something along the lines of prior to the bug. I thought this was a really great game and I was like whoa wait a minute if you had the one bug but then you recovered from it does that one bug drop really great mm. probably an 8 8 or a 9 to a 4 like and this is the
0: interesting thing because I think that you know the things that IGN was saying about the game and about it having a game-breaking bug, absolutely that should be talked about and be out in the public, right? right? It's yeah. the presentation of it that, that I think people are questioning. And I think Jason Sh- Jason Schreier from Kotaku summed this up perfectly when he said, his tweet was along the lines of, this is why Kotaku doesn't give scores to, to games. This is why we don't give scores when we, re- we review games. And I kind of agree because I, I for one, have never been a big fan of giving a score to a game because you're kind of condensing all of your thoughts and opinions and important views about a game to this kind of arbitrary score where no one knows how it works. Like No one knows when you give a game a 7 or an 8 or a 9 or a 4 or a 0. And what happens most of the time is that people would jump straight to the score and then get either get angry or happy that you validated their opinion about the game. And then you've just missed everything the person has said about this, about this game. And I think this is what happened with IGN because, again, the importance of what they talked about is undeniable. If a game has a break, game-breaking bug, it needs to be talked about and, and people need to be aware of it, maybe so they can avoid that when they're playing the game. But then when they attached the four out of 10 score to it, that's what people focused on, not the fact that it had a game-breaking bug. And I think that that's a problem because I would have rather people to have known about a game-breaking bug that potentially they could have figured out some way in their own playthrough to try and avoid. That like that that's the the important bit about talking about issues like that so people can can view it and and they can try to avoid it in their game experience but even generally even just generally with reviews disregarding um ign's review of of prey i've never liked review scores because i I don't think they serve a purpose anymore
1: yeah i would say i mean i i disagree but i i see why people why people like some people are going to work that way right yeah some people are And, um, so I see that, but I see that, that whenever, here's the thing, um, we can't continue, continually celebrate YouTube and, and Twitch and the, the multiple people out there who can talk about games and give you coverage on games Mm. and then say they should all cover it in a certain way, which includes not doing review scores. Right. So I think that there's more than enough. I also find that Kutaku, I, everything about them is disingenuous anyway so mm. if there's a group that I would never agree with, even if they said that you know my face was on fire, I would try to argue <laughs> with them. Um, they, that is that's completely disingenuous in what they've said. And yes, I do know people who've worked there and mm. who were there when those decisions were made. That's just bullshit. It's just bullshit. It's, it's about not the what only they reason. Said, so about what they said about. We don't give a review scores. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And cause I will tell you the, when you talk to some reviewers, they it's, n- that is the condensed way in a way it's like a review mm. score. That is a condensed way of saying, number one, we don't want to put our foot in the sand because technical issues, blah, 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 can change a score for somebody else. And yeah. the argument continues. Yeah. And so what happens is you go, but guess what? They do have a review score. I have a review score. People say yeah. I don't, but I do. Yeah. And they do have a review score. If you say accepted, if you say yes, no, that's a review score. And that's what I find disingenuous, mm. is pretending like, like some high and mighty group and even attacking,
2: okay. uh,
1: I can't remember his name, but even attacking IGN. It's like that, you can criticize it and say this and this doesn't make sense with the score because that's what I believe. I don't have a problem with somebody saying that they gave a game a four because of a game ending bug. What I yeah. do have a problem is that the majority of people don't get it by the end of the review. And here's one of the reasons why, because at the starting of my videos, I say n- no reviews that are only two minutes long because mm-hmm. IGN loves to release two minute reviews on prey. That makes no fucking sense. There's not, that's not enough time to cover the game. It's well, that, not that, enough that's time. Their, to that's the
0: condensed version of the yeah. full written review. And I don't know if they still do their full video reviews of games. Like I, I think I remember in the past, they, they had like, Longer video reviews and then shorter video. I don't. I don't know. I think but, they did. Yeah, but any, anyway, so yeah. like they had. I, I still think they had the full written review and the, and, and the video review.
1: Um, and it's but, just not good enough to mm. explain. It needs to make it so that you and I walk away going, okay, I get it. Like I don't agree, but I get it, and mm. I don't know of anybody who said that. And, and that's a writer problem. And remember, he's the editor and the reviewer. That means nobody looked at it. I, I guess that's so, my, this is my fear, though. Is, that bothers me. Yeah. I,
0: and, and I completely see your point of view about review scores because even arguing against myself, they do serve a purpose in the sense that very quickly, just like a Rotten Tomatoes score with a movie, very quickly you can get a quick sense of what critics generally thought about a game or what critics yeah. generally thought about a movie. Like, I can go to a, a Rotten Tomatoes, see that latest Guardians of the Galaxy got an 89%, see Logan got 80-plus percent, and say, you know what? That's generally a, a, a good score. I could probably go into there and, and, and enjoy this movie. Um, but but my, my fear is that when that starts to become the the sole important source of obtaining of understanding whether a game is good or not that's when issues start to arise like that's when you start to look at a score that's like oh um it's it's an 8 but you might have missed all of this great knowledge and understanding of the game that was in a written review because you're so solely focused on a score and and again i'm not saying that they should go away entirely necessarily maybe it's a cultural thing maybe um you can still have review scores, but hopefully fans will actually start to read them and prefer their their actual written opinion and, and the video opinion over the score itself. But my, I guess my um, takeaway from all of this, all of this, is that whether or not you you disagree or, or agree with IGN is up to you. It's it's personal opinion. But what I didn't like is how it was talking about a game breaking bug and then everyone focused on the review score. I, th- I think. The fact that there was a game-breaking bug should have been talked about and and should be the highlight of this. So people can avoid it. And also, so as it seems like exactly what happened, Arkane can fix it, which apparently they did. They did in the same day. In the same day.
1: Yeah, that's why you just, um, you know, like I said prior to the podcast, it would have been much easier and it would have been something everybody... Again, this is one of the reasons why I sort of attack anybody who says, oh, it's because of Bethesda, because bullshit, because anybody normally would be professional enough to not release the review they would do, or they would do a review in progress. That's normal. And let's be honest, this is IGN who has many reviews in progress. And so it's questionable why Mm -hmm. one game gets a review in progress. And then somebody on Twitter went and got all the reviews where they have stated something about bugs and patch and, and, and game killing bugs. And it was sort of. One of those moments where you're like, oh shit, somebody probably should have thought before they posted this this because there's a a lot of examples.
0: This is a slightly different topic now because now we're talking about how an IGN and a GameSpot actually approach the process of reviewing a game because typically what would happen, they would look at who who their reviewers are, pick one, whatever the process they choose, who knows, but an IGN would pick one reviewer, it would go through an editor and then that's how a review is made. But some people are saying you have one person out of this entire company that's reviewing a game. But what happens is that people attribute the review to IGN, not the reviewer itself. Yeah, yeah, so true. then when people... Like, and this is what kind of... I guess it doesn't really annoy me, but people compare, well, IGN gave this game this two years ago four years ago yeah but it's a completely different reviewer like you can't make those comparisons but is there a way that can be fixed can can you have a kind of council of reviewers within ign that each give like a score then it's aggregated but even then they're always going to be different reviewers
1: right but um so first of all just so you know the twitter post that i was talking about it was all this one reviewer and there was a pretty damning evidence for like that this o- is the only game something like this has occurred on. Um, yeah. but, but when we talk about a group, a council of 12, you know, from <laughs> Battlestar, um, what does the yeah, council you, believe? Yeah. What is <laughs> So say we all, um, <laughs> I, I personally, I think that it's been, I know it was done. I think it was diehard game fan. There's a couple different, um, uh, older magazines, online magazines, and, and now defunct, I think that actually did that where they had a couple people review yeah. the game and give their ideas that does work. It does. And there, and, and there's, There's nothing wrong with that. I think what is wrong with the entire situation can't really be fixed. And that's that, um, everybody does take data a little differently. Hmm. I, and the Metacritic systems do the one thing that really bothers me. And we're jumping to Metacritic just for a second because I don't want to blow off that conversation. (laughs) But, um, Metacritic has a tendency of softening the edges. And I don't like that because what it does is it remove. I don't want to remove the outliers. I don't want to remove the IGN's low score. But does it I want, do that? Yeah. Well, it does an aggregate. So it does an average. So but, you yeah. can't see it unless you look, unless mm. you scroll down and go, okay, uh, I generated this. I would like an open critic does this a little bit better. Open critic also does YouTubers and a couple others. So they're a little bit more, I guess, modern. Mm. They, they do things like suggested games from this reviewer in the same genre. They do. There's a lot of, and then they have like a bar that says, like where you're where this game currently is where this reviewer if you click on the reviewer you can see every review they've ever done and it says like where they are in the list compared to others it's a Mm. very cool system and hopefully metacritic will get that competition you know open critic seems to be doing well hopefully metacritic will say okay we need to do this and then i think that'll feed back slowly you know it it all it all feeds back you know i to to the reviewers and Mm. also let's just be honest uh, it could be human mistake. It does, it does occur where we just have bad days. Um, unfortunately, of
2: course. you know,
1: this is a big deal. Um, but I think it points towards if you and I, like, let's say this is how Maddie and I work. If we both have the same game, uh, if we're running into a game killing bug, we talk to the PR, right? That's mm. usually what you do. You, mm-hmm. you, you instantly email the PR Yeah, and then and then I, I reach out to Maddie and I say, I can't say anything about the game. Like we, almost every con, you know, discussion starts with that. And I'm yeah. like, but I'm having this. Are you having that? Yes. Here's what I did. And i personally feel that for whatever reason, this issue in particular, and maybe sometimes some others, people just don't do that. They, they have, they do have a bone to pick. And mm. that, that to me is an issue because you are, you are affecting somebody's job. Yeah, when you're when you're not doing yours well, and that that is where I start to get a little worried because man, it's bothered me. Somebody just asked me a couple of days ago, why didn't you review uh, Zelda? And I'm like, dude, I got to beat Zelda. And he's like, well, get on it. And I'm like, I've got other games. And <laughs> I, until well, just I do it, it. Carrick. Yeah. he's like, I just want to hear you bitch about stuff. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Like, I take this stuff. Wait a minute. I review for people like me where they want to know the person got through it and they have an idea of what occurred. They they just want to hear you bitch about like they do. complain about <laughs> games. <laughs> oh, dude, the one. I mean, some of these guys are like, uh, I just watched twenty seven year videos in a row, <laughs> and uh, uh, this this and this sentence is just you know blah blah blah. And same with Maddie because Maddie's changed his format a couple times, and yeah. so it's like you can watch his old stuff and his new stuff. And I I just think it's sad because there it's not the the problem is is it stained the game in some way. Yeah, uh, probably not as much as I think IGN maybe sort of wanted. And then it also stains IGN a little bit, especially when the person tweeted and somebody sent me the tweet and it said something like, uh, yeah, that score caused great concern, which is exactly what I wanted it to do or something. It just sounded very like petty. Like and very intentional. In Yeah, it just, it was all wrong. It's one of those moments where you have a friend. If they're a good friend, they'll be like, dude, 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 Shh, Quiet, like mm. step back for a second. And you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then you find out later, (laughs) like I was a dick, you know, like, I thank God my friend was there to tell me, uh, I don't think somebody was there. I think that's what happened is that somehow the, the safety, you have safety belts for your job. We all do. Mm -hmm. We have compatriots, we have comrades, we have people working next to us who double check our shit. And sometimes it gets through, I think.
0: Yeah, and absolutely right. I'll give you an example. Like, let's let's use a completely different example. Um, so there, there was a couple of years back. I don't know if you know what NRL is, rugby league in in Australia, right? Oh, so, okay. It's essentially rugby, and they kind of have this checks and balances system where every uh, in every play there's five tackles, and then and then you have to kick the ball. And there was a mistake that was made where. Even though they had this kind of checks and balances system, where the referee counts the number of tackles, where the the people inside, like you know, with the cameras count the tackles, like there's like four or five different stops of, of people counting the number of tackles to make sure they get it right. They all failed in a in a, in a final game. It, it was part oh. of the final series, and they and the team uh, went an extra tackle and scored a try as a result of oh, that. Oh, and man. there was this huge inquiry saying, you know. Why did every single check and balance in that game of rugby fail so as to give one team an extra tackle and they scored a try and ended up winning the game? And and this is in a final series. They ended up winning the premiership after that, right? But every single thing failed. And this just shows that, you know, you can get it right a million times. That's true. the one time that it happens and goes wrong, it goes wrong in a fucking spectacular way. (laughs) It
1: does. And don't you believe... That there and I'm sure if you talk to anybody who's a mathematician, a statistician, they'll be able to back this up. The more safety measures there are, when something does break, it's fucking <laughs> catastrophic. Like yes. it's when the wing falls off of the plane and you look over and go, "Yeah, we're fucked." Like it didn't just like bend; it's gone. And that's yeah. because all of those safety and and so that might have happened here, where just yeah. the safety checks, the per you know, hey, I'm having this issue. Can you get? Can you text me? And somebody doesn't get back to him, and they're like, "Fuck it, we're posting it." Mm. Um, and it can happen. It, it's happened with all of us. I just of think course. that, um, we want to minimize it as much as humanly fucking possible because mm. you want an accurate reflection of your experience for sure. Yeah. But you also want to be what I think is pretty fair and just. And I know people have said, I haven't been like that. I know dishonored too. People were all over me for that because I had bugs galore, but I was contacting the dev and I was like, dude, I've had this, I've had this, I have blah, blah, blah. And they were very open to trying to fix it. They were very cool mm. about it. Mm. Um, so some devs too maybe don't respond i don't know maybe maybe he did try to contact them and i
0: think he did, he did. like from what i remember when i when i looked at the review he talked about yeah. him trying to go back to arcane and i think that's what happened don't don't quote me on that but in in any event um th- that was a very interesting story because we haven't had a review controversy like that from my from memory well, in quite a while um all righty so let's move on to something different let's move on to you know what? There's a bunch of things that we want to talk about, but you showed particular interest in this, Carrick. Xbox Scorpio awareness is apparently very low amongst <laughs> gamers. So there, there was oh, there, man. there was this poll, there was this kind of research that, that went on. I can't remember the company. But essentially their, their claim was that many gamers don't really know about the Xbox Scorpio. They don't really know what's going on with it. They don't even know the console exists in the first place. Um, so aware, awareness of that console is pretty low. And when I read this, I'm like, well, of course it is. I mean, Xbox hasn't talked about it much. Like, they, they have talked about it, but like not in the sense where they've given it an official name, not where they've really had advertisements behind it. Like, they haven't really push this console publicly and i'm like of course it's it's relatively low amongst gamers not not every and especially if you're considering gamers as like people who play mobile games and casual games as well not everyone watches e3 not everyone watched uh microsoft's e3 press conference last year where they talked about project scorpio not everyone is
1: following phil spencer and and reading every tweet that he tweets out
0: like i I wasn't surprised by this Were, were you surprised by this
1: no uh first of all i want to say i do want to ask you what you thought of prey but b- before what i end, thought of prey I do wanna, uh, yeah i do want to talk about it uh prior to us closing down the podcast sure, no, no, but um that's fine. um so uh when it comes to this no i wasn't uh I, first of all i wasn't surprised but i do find it funny that i actually uh just two weekends ago was involved in a polling <laughs> for that and i was involved in the numbers of it and we got drastically different numbers and I was trying, uh-huh. I was like, what the fuck? So when you wrote or when Neil Gaff posted it, I was like, what the fuck? What? And then, and then you posted it and I started laughing in the pod or in the Twitter and I'm like, oh, I, have got something to add. It was, but then it dawned on me what you just said, like who they talked to mm-hmm. and, uh, and the fact that there is no surprise, uh, by anybody that, that, that is not known. It, and what's even more crazy is there was some information about the PS4 Pro and yeah. how it's not necessarily known. And I always have to remind people, do you realize that when you watch a PlayStation commercial, they almost never are talking about the hardware unless it's Christmas. They're talking about the games. Sure. They're talking about the, ex, uh, the experience. So to me, it, it's just like you. In no way, shape or form was that surprising. In fact, it was surprising anybody thought that they would get anything other than the exact response that they got.
0: So it, it was it was Nielsen that did it. it I, I don't Nielsen. The, It was Nielsen. Okay.
1: So wow.
2: Mm,
0: this is that's a big hold up. You know, no, no, let me confirm that. Let me. Uh, okay. No. Xbox. <laughs> I mean, awareness because I think it comes down to again a combination of things. Microsoft haven't really. Advertise and push this console to the wider audience, um, like you would expect once the console is actually released. Like I wasn't surprised by this, um, but also as well, it was Nielsen. Well, there you go. Um, I wonder who they and I'm speaking a bit softly because my girlfriend's now asleep after a night shift. Um, I wonder who they went to, like the the, the sample size one, and also as well right. who they actually interviewed because th- there's this kind of, I guess. I don't know what it is, but on the internet, people seem to get upset when they refer to, like, a research report refers to a gamer doing this, or gamers say this. And then they're like, oh, but you can't talk about mobile gamers. Mobile gamers aren't real gamers. You, you can't talk about people that play casual games. Like, Why were they part of the research? And I think something similar happened here where if you're talking to people that play mobile games, which I'm not saying that they're not gamers, right? Because that's stupid. It, but people that play mobile games or casual games, of course they're not going to know about Project Scorpio. This is an, an enthusiast console that's only been shared with like really diehard fans
1: and people that follow the games industry closely. And... Uh, the most important thing that at least when I was doing some stuff for some of these groups mm-hmm. is uh, there's no Amazon listings. And until you see something like that, um, you w- there's no wishlist ability. There's no it's, it's a code name so you can't even add it legally mm-hmm. on Amazon until you come up with the, the real name till you announce whatever you're going to announce. And so there's, there's actually a, a, a dramatic number of reasons why, there would be no, I mean, the, the actual system isn't in place for information. Hmm. So if it's not in place to be surprised that it's not, but I, I think what happens with gamers and you and I've talked about this, we, I think even the starting of this podcast, we talk about it, but sometimes we get a hold of data that isn't for us and that happens a lot of times. And this is one of them. This is one of the ones where Joe blow the console gamer who watches ACG cause he bitches about games is not the person that fucking thing was for. Nope. It was, it was for, uh, it was ge- probably a general wide audience touch to see if it had embedded itself anywhere into different groups, mm. how, if there was any idea, where that idea was, who was interested, who wasn't, and moving from there. You always have to find out where you are before you can travel somewhere. Mm. And we, we love in gaming to pretend like when we first find out where we are, that's the destination. And it's not, and you know, this, Uh, anybody who runs any PR, anybody who runs any metrics of any kind knows that that's the starting point. You have to find out where you're standing. Like how good am I doing now to figure out how good I can be. And I just think that's what's going on. I just think we got the data. It's one of those situations where it's like you and I are talking about it, but really some guy with a Pinscribe suit is the one who needs that data, you know, and, not and,
0: us. And this happens because even as part of my, of my work, I will look at research reports like this and, and see yeah, what because it, it's always interesting when, when a company like Nielsen or whoever it is does a bit of research and th- they always need a headline. Like th- that's the <laughs> important thing that you need to bear in mind. Yeah. Like whenever uh, a research firm is talking about the size of the games industry or sales of a publisher or whatever, they need a headline that they put there, again, Xbox Scorpio awareness is, is low. But then when you actually look at the data you understand like the, the reasons behind that headline and how it's much more complicated. So I'm sure if you actually looked at this Nielsen report, you would see, oh, so this is who they interviewed. Oh, so this is why it might be like that. Oh, so it's, it's not really that awareness is low, but it's because of X, Y, and Z that contributed to this one headline that you need to be catchy because that's, how and, a re- that's the entire reason why a research firm will make the headline. So people look at the
1: report. You just described a review. <laughs> a review has a title you read the yeah. title sometimes the title gives away the score yeah. and you can see that or you can read deeper and get yeah. the data of why somebody said you know this misses the mark or whatever i mean you did really and mm. that's and that's what it is that's what metrics are when you're when you're running those we've all run them i mean i think everybody it doesn't even matter if you're in high school uh you might have run them just you know if you were in one of your classes for for mathematics we've all sort of had some experience with that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's, you're right. It's like, you need that go-to phrase and then you read the go-to phrase and then, then, then you find out why. And by reading the actual, the actual, well, information. I, I mean,
0: again, it, it works the same as, as videos on YouTube. You need a nice, catchy title. It would be lovely. It would be fantastic if every video uploaded was just titled fucking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, and, wouldn't it would. And it and <laughs> just got the same amount of views. But that's not how the fucking the internet no, works.
1: Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be like, you know, Dalmatian humping an elephant. Jeremy's going to review <laughs> this game. And it's like, why would he put that? Well, it's because this tracker tracks this and this keyword and. Mm-hmm. God, Oh, Jesus, yeah, like, it's and, and, crazy, and I'll make the thumbnail look like this.
0: But yeah. if I had it my way, it would be a fucking generic thumbnail one, and then that would be enough. Oh, dude,
1: yeah, I I agree. Would do you know how much time we waste, dude? I waste <laughs> no. so much time, even just putting my fucking ACG review on a picture of the game. Sometimes I've gone in and like photoshopped, like I photoshopped ACG on a van in Forza Horizon 3's thumbnail. And only like 10 people noticed it. It took me like three fucking hours to do it. And I I told my friends, I was like, never again, man. It it wasn't. I'm it's trying to think of like <laughs> throughout
0: the course of my YouTube career, if you will, how much time I've spent nitpicking over thumbnails oh, because dude. you spend like on one thumbnail you can spend hours, and then yeah. and not only that, but then you you always need, like for me I have a consistent design with my thumbnails. The amount of mm-hmm. iterations that I've gone through of thumbnail designs and and how nitpicky I get, I'm I'm pretty uh, obsessive compulsive in that regard. But I, I guess loosely tying this back to the Nielsen report. I think the the summary is we're not really surprised they needed a headline. If you look into it, you understand why. Um, And I'm sure that uh, something like this will change once there are ads on, on free to air TV, subscription TV, more ads on YouTube, because there hasn't really been much.
1: Um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So what should we talk about next? How about we talk about EA bringing more games to the switch or saying that they want to bring more games to the switch and, I think I saw the art... I don't think this is a quote from someone working at EA, but the article said that EA is no longer just going to throw Switch a bone with FIFA or something like that, but they're actually going to take it seriously. And this ties back to the fact that the Nintendo Switch is selling very well. It's Nintendo's fastest-selling console um, to date, and it seems like third-party publishers like an EA are starting to take this seriously. However... EA said the same thing with the Wii U. They said that they wanted to have an unprecedented partnership, and that didn't really work out, did it? Um, But do do you, like, view what EA is saying seriously? Like, isn't the Nintendo Switch doing good enough to actually get on board third-party publishers in a serious way?
1: I mean, dude, like, the Wii, the Wii did well and some of them didn't jump on forever yeah. so it's like um i personally and i've said this before i personally am a little nervous that something behind the scenes is what's causing this that uh nintendo doesn't work so well and 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 i wouldn't be surprised because they don't work well with almost anybody so it, it could wouldn't be surprise me yeah. it, that it's a cultural thing yeah and that's that's what i firmly believe is that ea probably well i mean ea is a company they want to make money mm. right so they're of course it makes sense um, I'm sure EA is looking at some of these titles. They did the uh, I, it wasn't EA, but NBA Showtime that or playgrounds that uh, Maddie and I just reviewed. That's on Switch. Some of those games are getting on Switch. Um, I think EA, Activision, all those companies would love to do it. I but it's it does if if every time we talk about Nintendo I get an idea of a boardroom that when the door opens, there's like one guy at a long table and he tells you to sit at the other end of the table and <laughs> scream what you want to do. Like it's those uncomfortable movies where you're like, Hey, pass the salt. <laughs> and, and, and you can't communicate well. They, hmm. they doesn't, I mean, and Tom Kalansky from Sega uh, told some stories about both Nintendo and when he worked at Sega and the differences between the American and the Japanese firms and who ran it. and, it was dire. I mean, mm-hmm. that was one of the most depressing I mean it almost it sorta of got him out of games. It was so depressing to see how they how they interact with American um you know branches. And that that worries me. What do you think? I mean, are you I just it feels like wordplay to me right now. <laughs> you guess. know what?
0: It's it's interesting because I've I've started to just I guess, ignore what publishers are saying (laughs) about, you know, we're going to bring all these games to the Switch, blah, 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 blah. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. And I'm at the point with my Switch where I'm still enjoying it. Um, I'm playing it almost every day on the train. I am really enjoying Mario Kart. I've taken a bit of a break on Zelda because I have this big upcoming trip that I'm just going to save it for then. Um, But I, I am, I am looking at, the the lineup of games and starting to to worry a little bit um obviously super mario odyssey is going to be nintendo's big thing but again first party game um street fighter 2 is coming out soon but again you know we've had that game for god it it was i was playing that game in the 90s um (laughs) like like when i was a kid on (laughs) the snes um what else minecraft but that's on every console like it seems that a lot of the third-party games that have already come to the Switch or that will be coming to the Switch are the theoretical "throw a dog a bone" thing. Let's see if the if it sticks. And until I see like EA, not just with FIFA, but EA came out with like a, a big game of theirs that they're like, we're going to support Xbox One, PC, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. Like Nintendo Switch is just seemingly part of the equation there then I won't believe anything of of what's been saying because I, I, I need to see, like, the proof is in the pudding. Once the games are actually releasing, once publishers are talking about Nintendo Switch like it was a PS4, like it was any other console or platform, that's only when, only at that time will I believe it.
1: Yeah, and you know what's sad? We talked about this with the Xbox One and the PS4 where Uh, I I know of at least three of the so-called exclusives Hmm. uh, wouldn't be exclusive if the Xbox One had been more powerful. There was an actual issue where the developers didn't feel the game would look good enough for their artistic vision. And so Scorpio, of course, they're like, okay, we'll we'll release this. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, Switch is even worse. And so, yeah, and so I could see that. But here's the thing, to turn it to a positive for a second, there are some games that I think would be phenomenal phenomenal on the switch as long as they ran well i don't care what they you know resolution but i'm saying frame rate like they weren't chunky some of these are like persona i think persona 5 would be uh, that would be fucking phenomenal Mm. um i think uh resident evil of all things resident evil 7 in a handheld i would with the light and oh dude it'd be it'd be amazing so those are two games completely different styles of games that um Instantly, when you say third party, I'm thinking not just EA, but I'm thinking like, you know, the Capcoms mm-hmm. and, you, you know, from software. Mm-hmm. If you were to say that the switch had Dark Souls four, right, I would be I would dude, that would be. In, I, I don't even know how to describe how insane that would be, <laughs> like, because it would be a portable Dark Souls. I, people would fun, get fu- fucking, you know, like leg clots because they'd be on the shit or too long playing that game. So that's the kind of stuff I want to see. And I'm like you. It's like you have to take a step back and be like, you know what, sorry, you've said this too many times. Hmm. And we we can't believe you anymore. I mean, we can't. Like, it, it actually hurts to believe these people every single gen Nintendo releases something.
0: It, it's, just, and, it's just getting your hope. Like, I, I never like, and this is a general thing with me. It's not even specific with this, but whenever I get my hopes up, it's like nine times out of 10, I always get let yeah. down. And, 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 and it's not just games. Yeah, it's not just games. It's it's any kind of entertainment medium, um, like oh, sex. I think, se- <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. like sometimes like you think it'll be good, but it's not. Yeah, um, you're but- like meh. <laughs> but like with some movies, like um, that I'm really looking forward to. For for instance, Suicide Squad. I was I was fucking like this is going to be the best and oh. then it was so average and I'm like oh no I was so so disappointed so let down The Assassin's Creed movie I thought that could have been like the chance for for game movies to start being really really good and like it was a f- false expectation I understand that um but Again, that was one of those things where I got my hopes up and I was let down. So this is just a general thing with me. Like I'll get excited about something, like but I'll I'll try and temper those expectations. Um, And again, I I just I I need to see the announcements. Like I need to say, you know, we we are bringing the game, not we are
1: thinking about it or we might do it. I have a question for you. Then what Mm. would be like? What would cause you? What would cause you to go? Okay, is there a game, even one game, that would cause you to say, oh shit? that yes they're actually taking this serious
2: uh
0: bioshock because oh no shit you know why you know why because it's it's a game that obviously i i love a lot but it's one of those franchises where let's be real here it's not that big and it would be a huge risk to bring it to the switch and that would like that's that kind of bullish attitude would show real confidence in, in in the switch from a publisher's perspective um but games like that games that are you know um, i'm not just big games like fifa that everyone's gonna buy anyways or minecraft or skyrim like i'm looking at really not a really really obscure games but kind of like games that have their audiences out there they're not too large but a publisher's like i think we can make some real money on that maybe payday 2 is kind of in that realm maybe yeah that's true
1: you know um, it is you surprised me by reminding me about that because yeah. i think that's a big deal payday Pay 2 is a big deal it's a big deal to definitely be, be um
0: but what what are like you know i'm just gonna look through my oh maybe borderlands maybe borderlands would be a, a good one i'm looking through my steam library now um call it you know what i will say call of duty if, if yeah, that was me too. yeah if, if call of duty was like treating the nintendo switch as they did every other console then that would be validation in my mind that Activision as a big publisher is taking the Switch seriously because like, let's put it this way. Um, Activision with, with Call of Duty, Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed, look at every publisher with their big mainstay franchises and if they're not coming to the Switch, then the Switch has not been validated. That, that, yeah, that's, exactly. that's my r- real thoughts about that because it, unless every like, i'm not saying every single publisher has to but unless a good amount of publishers aren't releasing their babies like essentially what they are to, to, to the nintendo switch then there's not that confidence in there and and so, third-party publishers haven't been won
1: there was a i think this might have been an xbox 360 ps3 article back before the new consoles were even out and Somebody discussed just this situation with Nintendo. So that time it would have been the Wii. And I remember them talking to a third-party industry insider. And the the person had said something along the lines of the reason why third parties, Nintendo, looking at the numbers, if I remember this right, looking at the numbers, Nintendo's first party steals or quite literally does not indicate a third party's sales. Like Mm. it doesn't. It doesn't it doesn't matter what they've sold, it doesn't in any way, shape, or form indicate um exactly what anybody will buy on a Nintendo system. And I think one of the cases in point was was Sega Knights, if I remember right. I can't remember, but there was some there were some good numbers bandied around, and it was the idea that Nintendo is known for something very specific. Nintendo fans are known for liking specific things, more so even than I would suggest Xbox or Sony Ponies. And so what you have is you have a situation where they can't sell because the people who are buying Nintendo Switch games are waiting for a Nintendo Switch game. Yeah, yeah. No, and yeah, that's and that's, that's sad if that's true. But the, isn't that sad? That's the saddest... Dude, like that's the saddest thing ever because it's self-defeating.
0: You, you know what? It is sad because it's that kind of mantra where, look, I want to play Nintendo games. I'm going to buy Nintendo. And... It seems like because of that, like because of... I'm not going to say it's Nintendo's fault because of how they treated their IP. They're yeah, absolutely right. entitled to keep their IPs to their console. But I, I guess the way it, that it's evolved over the years is that because Nintendo consoles have been so Nintendo-centric that the fan base that have built up around those consoles just expect one thing and they won't buy anything yeah. else. And yeah. th- th- it's going to take a lot for that kind of perspective even amongst nintendo uh, fans to dissipate because you know let's be honest here there are people out there that just buy nintendo consoles and that just buy nintendo games and they haven't really seen third-party console third-party games sorry come to that console like that yeah. could be the only console that they own so they'll see a payday Two come to the nintendo switch and be like what the fuck is payday like i have no idea what that is and, and there probably are a lot of gamers like that out there or if they do know what payday is they just don't care about it. I think it'll be interesting to see how Skyrim performs on the Nintendo in the eyes of Nintendo fans, because I'm gonna assume that most people that bought a Switch so far, not most people, but a good chunk of them, are it's like diehard Nintendo fans that have purchased past Nintendo consoles, you know, religiously. And right. I, I would love to see a Bethesda come out with their with their Skyrim numbers or even even payday, right? But one of those third party games For a publisher to come back with their numbers and say it actually did well, the attach rate for this game was actually pretty good. Um, Yeah. Because, you know, I think you're right. I think there is that kind of fear that Nintendo, people that own Nintendo consoles only look for one thing. And if they want to play other games, they'll, they'll play it on another console.
1: Yeah, and that's an, that's the other part of it, yeah, is the other console thing that I know a lot of people are like, they like the Switch because it's a somewhat powerful portable, but they would never worry about the dock because they have a PS4 or an Xbox One or getting a Scorpio or getting yeah. a Pro. And so you have this, you, you have a, it's a self-defeating situation, and when you talk to people, it's even more self-defeating because they'll tell you that the reason they don't get this is because there's no other games on it. So they have the other thing, which then negates the need for the other games, except for Nintendo games on the Nintendo switch. And it's just yeah. like, God damn, like it's, it's chicken win. and egg, you know? Yeah. yeah, you can't. And, um, I, I'm, I hope payday two. I, I forgot. And I actually think that's a good litmus test. I think it's a good, mm, like, let's definitely. throw something odd out here. Right. And see if people want to play this kind of game on a portable, which to me, I would, So I'm, I, I would want to play that on a portable. I think that would be fun. So to me, that'd be a good title to just see if people pick it up, how it reviews, um, you know, and if people enjoy it and then go from there again, another title, you know, we'll talk about it here in a bit, but I do believe that Prey is a missed opportunity. Um, Bioshock use, you know, Mm. somewhat like it, um, those kind of games, those single player narrative where they can look graphically good, but they don't have to be, Mm. you know, horizon zero dawn and then Uh, then let's look at games that that
0: that don't necessarily have like the most awesome graphics but a multiplayer i think overwatch would be a good fit for the nintendo switch yeah a Um, lot of people do man imagine i mean you could have it in tabletop mode with eight people around and you're all playing fucking overwatch against like that would be fucking awesome and being able to play tournaments
2: yeah
1: you could have tournaments you could have you know there there would be some insane stuff i know maddie's talked about it Oh, no, all the time he's yeah. like you just can't figure out why overwatch and especially the way it looks like you said yeah it's, it's like not fun, as yeah. graphically intensive you know like so, it, it, yeah, it'll be a game sad. that
0: actually runs pretty pretty well but again right. touching on what you said about graphics that that's that's an issue it will be an issue moving forward i, I understand that as a handheld the switch like at, compared to mobiles is a powerful console but compared to to traditional consoles it's not and would this have changed if they went with the 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 um what was the called, the Tegra X One or like the, the next version more powerful the more powerful
1: um, one? I would think they're in the same. I, don't know. I it's I think it's the same overlap that Xbox and PC get. You hear about overlap there. You hear about overlap with Nintendo and handhelds when it comes to power. And I think that if you were to put the X One in there, it would be a little bit more powerful, but it wouldn't be because I have an X One and it wouldn't be uh, as powerful as um you know an Xbox One. Or or a PS4, Hmm. so you still would be less, and I think that um, that's okay because it's a handheld. Um, But again, I I think I've said this a couple times. I'm still confused by the dock situation, you know, and the way that works, the why it doesn't add some power, you know, why it doesn't allow for overclocking. Those those were the rumors. We I know, and they were pretty substantial rumors, which to me indicates Mm. probably a manufacturing issue where yeah. they probably could do that. You know, like he-
0: they, they definitely would have had it in mind, but maybe yeah. down <sighs> the line, and, and this could be, honestly, this could be a great way, because the problem with, is with, like, um when when you have the Project Scorpio and the PS4 Pro, these kind of uh m- mid-cycle console refreshes is that people that purchased the previous console feel disenfranchised, but if Nintendo released a dock
1: that upgraded exactly. every
0: single Switch out there, that's fucking yeah. massive.
1: Yep. And if it was just... The dock. So that means the switch stays the same. That's what, that's exactly what I believe would be the best bet is to call it, you know, that Nintendo (laughs) dock Two, whatever you want to call it, come up with something awesome. Uh, The even better toast maker, because that's what it looks like as a toaster to me when, when the switch isn't in there Um, and you plug that in and it's got, you know, a a, a small chipset on there to give you some extra graphical oomph and stuff like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do. I do think that that would be very, very cool Uh, because it is weird. You know, you plug it in and it works worse and you're just like, this doesn't make any sense. It goes against what I think a lot of people expect, which is portable is less, docked should be more because Mm. it's like a laptop and a desktop, but it's not. It's It's actually the reverse. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: But all right, no, that's cool. So now you wanted me to end this podcast with my thoughts about Prey.
1: Yeah, because um, I think you were saying at least as far as you've got eight or a nine is is about where you would expect good good game. Not the most amazing game ever. Um, without going too much into it, um, what do you like? What are you liking so far about it?
0: Oh, it, it has to be the story. Um, mm-hmm. I, and again, I'm a bit of a mark with with video game stories, but this game, it the way it teases at the story, it, it's doing so at a really really nice rate, and it's keeping you curious at just enough pace, like. I, I'm always wanting to just push through the main story, skip the side quests because I want to actually know. And people keep telling me, oh, the ending, bro, the ending, or oh, the endings, like, y- you're going to be fucking surprised. Um, that's definitely the main aspect of that game that I'm absolutely loving. Um, and again, maybe it's because I, for instance, with Bioshock Infinite, I really liked that story and oh yeah you know when when i end a game like that and the story there's a big twist and i get goosebumps like that that kind of shit is what i remember like if there's anything about i I think when you play a video game and it has a great story that's what you remember most about anything else at least in my Mm -hmm. experience i don't remember oh oh how cool were um the the fact that you could use a skyhook and infinite and and traverse between buildings I I remember that but what sticks in my mind is like the story right so I really like in the story of Prey the I guess the combat is okay but it's it was never meant to be the standout I don't think yeah right no. Like, you know, with the with the glue gun um, wrench mechanic, it's always meant to be that kind of passive thing. And I'm playing it on hard as well. So every fucking mm-hmm. room I'm on, I'm on edge because you will die. I've died so many times in Prey, it's not funny. Yeah. Because I'm playing it on that, that difficulty because you're you're not meant to be overpowered. It, you're not getting these crazy guns. Even when you get the Q-beam, you can do a bit more damage. But even then, you go up against a telepath or a technopath, whatever they're called, you're going to get fucked up. Like, that game... Is, is not really meant to be about combat. Combat is just, you know, you're, you're given enough supplies and enough guns to keep you alive, not to play out through. Um, exactly. I, I, yeah, I I think that the combat's okay. What else about it? The environmental storytelling obviously is fantastic. I love games that have audio logs. Like games that have audio logs make it so much easier to be able to tell subtle parts of the game's narrative and and the law and the setting of the game instead of having like, and even though Prey has this, like you have to read terminals uh, or computers uh, Mm -hmm. and books and magazines every now and again, if you really want to get in depth to the law, but when you right. have audio logs like Prey does, you can go about your day. You can you can go fight enemies, you can explore as these audio logs are playing. It's the best way to tell different parts of the story. And to be honest, like audio logs are exact same as a radio. When you have January and, and Alex call in and tell you stuff, it's exact it's the exact same as an audio log. You're continuing through. You're continuing to play, and it's still telling you the story. You're not cut by. You're not stopped by a cutscene. You don't have to stop and read something and feel like, oh, this is so boring. Why am I reading? I I love games that do that, and I hope that more games do that in the future. Uh, and, and it's so easy too. You pick up an audio log. You just press L, and, and you listen to it, and, and, and you can keep playing. So I really like that about the game. Um, I don't know if this is a spoiler. I'll, I'll give a warning now, but. When you go outside into space, I
1: fucking oh, love Oh, it's that. not a spoiler. Yeah, it's <sighs> yeah. that that I asked a bunch of people as well and they were like, No, that's that's been shown and stuff. But yeah, yeah. it controls so fucking oh, well. It's, dude. It's I'm glad I was watching your Twitch right when you went out and I was like, Oh, you're <laughs> in for the, the very something.
0: first moment. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in space yeah. and it's just kind of serene. You're floating there and it's beautiful. Um light seeping through and you can see the planets and the station. I love that bit, man. I absolutely love it. But overall, I think the the average score that the game has gotten on Metacritic and Open Critic is about an eight out of ten. I think that's yes. about right. To be honest, um, I would see, I could see easily if gamers were to give this game a seven, maybe six to seven. I wouldn't go below than, bl- lower than that. Um, but I, I think if I were to give it a review score, even though I haven't finished it, and probably my mind will change once I've finished the story, but I'd give it around a, a an eight, maybe down to seven and a half. But I, I think closer to eight's about right.
1: That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, for me, one of the things I noticed is everywhere there's an audio log, there's almost always a physical representation of what they're talking about. Exactly. And that's pretty rare. Yes. So like when, you, when you're when you listening to an audio log, if you look around, the the body that's there makes sense now. The the thing that's doing this makes sense now. The sound you hear in the roof makes sense now. And that's what I was talking about when I was talking to you guys last week. I, and that's why I think I would give it, I, I don't really do numbered reviews, but a, probably a higher than an eight. I, I don't think I'd say it's a perfect game because it does have issues. Of course it does, yeah. The reason why is because there's various levels of story being introduced to you. And I think that, you know, Maddie did a post where he's like, I'm, you know, he, he wasn't hitting the story just right, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I totally get that because because while I did, and while it sounds like you do, it sounds like we'll all be high, you'll be middle ground, maybe, and he'll probably be in the mm-hmm. lower. Mm-hmm. At least he was when I was talking to him on on on, on Twitter. That makes sense to me though, because the way this game delivers info it, it is indeed a lot like a Bioshock. It is indeed a lot like uh, uh, it, all those kind of games, but it isn't exactly a guarantee you will get it. Okay. It isn't exactly a guarantee uh, additionally that you will get it in the same rhythm in which the developer set it up. And the developer just spent two hours playing with Game of Sutra and they broke down it, 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 he just sat there and talked about the development. He talked about multi-layered story and they just released the video this morning. And it's insane because all the stuff I was talking about, I was like, and I I think I hinted to you guys. I'm like, I could just be seen too much. And this is not occurring. Like your brain is like, Oh, but everything I said, he's like, and then we did this and the shape of the room. And I was like, Holy shit. Hmm. I mean, there's so many levels of intricacy that just that, even though it may not come off perfect for everybody is still to me, a sign of somebody who took it to fucking heart who said yeah Yeah. it's not prey 2 it's not prey 2 we're not bounty hunters but Mm. what we are going to do is make a good game called prey 2 and i think that that's the best you can do and
0: and you know what i said i said very similar things in my impressions of of prey i said that i like this game but i like this game and i like the story because i liked games like bioshock and if you didn't if that wasn't your thing then you might not actually like this game. It, it's one of those things where you really need to to like that kind of style. And and I just so happen to... I mean, Bioshock is one of my favourite games of all time. And this is just not a part of the podcast where Lone talks about Bioshock because he wants to. This game is so heavily influenced by by System Shock and Bioshock, it's not
1: funny. Oh I maybe mean, A System Shock 2, even more so, yeah, I, I think. Mean, you than talked BioShock.
0: about environmental storytelling and how when you listen yeah. to an audio log, um you, you actually saw like segments of that in the same area. Bioshock did that. Like One example yep. that I remember is this guy electrocuted himself in Bioshock mm. and you listen to the audio log and he's like, oh, don't kill me, don't... No, he got electrocuted by someone else and he's like, don't kill me, oh, gotcha. um, um, tell me the secrets or something like that and he got electrocuted and the audio log is sitting by his dead corpse and you can see Damn. the electricity shooting out from the from the fucking wall. That's the, the perfect example of what you just talked about where you listen to an audio log and pray and you can see the dead body or you can see the... The hull breach, or, or something yeah, like that, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's
1: it's it's crazy stuff. I mean, I, I think that's what's cool is uh, you know we didn't get the bounty hunter prey, but it, to me, it it doesn't matter. And um, the only thing on these games, and I I think we've agreed in the past on this, but I I think one problem with Bioshock games. Um, and it's not a problem. I'll just, uh, maybe a trait. That's a better term for this is, is that it's possible because it isn't a directed experience. It is not, it's an anti-directed experience. Mm. It's an ambient experience throughout the entire thing that you can, if you, depending on the difficulty, the amount of times you die, how you die, where the difficulty is, you can actually have a very unfun experience. You, and you can, you can, you, if you're maybe not really good at combat you're getting your ass kicked, I had people going like, dude, I hate the combat. I'm like, what? Like, I was killing people. And then I was telling people, oh, use the blue gun left and right of the bad guy and then above him to create a cage. And they're like, you can create cages for bad guys? I'm like, yeah. That was like the first, but they didn't think of that. And so when I showed them, they're like, oh, shit, that does change this or change that or make steps on the wall. And so if you don't know those, I totally can see somebody saying, this is a six. You know, this is a, it, it, it's a, it's a pretty good game because that's its entire thing. That's its yeah. entire
0: uh, you know, it's it's setup. It's funny, though. You know?
1: I mean, like, again,
0: like, there's, I think it's easy, normal, hard, and nightmare. And I don't even yeah. want to fucking imagine what the game is on nightmare, but I'm playing it on hard because my stream forced me to. But even though, like, there are parts where I'm dying a lot and I am getting physically upset because I think resource management in this game is particularly hard, especially on those harder difficulties. You yeah. could, Like, I got to this one point in the game where I had no health, no ammo, absolutely nothing. And yeah. I was going... Every part that I went to... There were enemies in every fucking room. The one door that was locked, I needed to sit there and continually press the door um, to, to speak, like, dialogue. Like, you had to um, have certain dialogue recorded, and that was the only way to open the door because it was voice recognized. And I couldn't do that because there were enemies in the room that I couldn't kill because I didn't have health and I didn't have ammo, and I just
1: couldn't progress through the game. And, it, and I died, like, 20 times. To Are you destroy- using items to disturb them? You should be able to just throw a, a mug to the other side of the room.
0: I but but like it was an isolated room. Like you would go down the elevator and there uh-huh. was a there was a door that was locked and then nothing gotcha. else. So like that was it. Because... Go ahead. No, I was gonna say that like, even though that, that happened to me, the combat is challenging. It's rewarding once you get past it. Like, and and some people might not think so. Some people might not think this is might think this is right. too hard. I'm dying a lot. I hate this combat. But even though I am dying a lot, I'll admit that once you get past something that you've died about ten times on, it's like yes, like
1: fuck yeah. It, and I it's never, Bio Souls.
0: Yeah, and I never <laughs> would have had that satisfying feeling if I just plowed through it on easy. Even yeah. though easy would give you a better experience of the story, I completely agree. Um, and I might've changed my mind if I had known how hard this game would have been, but now I'm stubbing, (laughs) stubborn, and I need to complete it. Um, but no, I I think it's the right amount of hard, but, but satisfying, you know,
1: I, I just, I, it is. And for me, I just carry shit with me everywhere. So like all, if I have a, if, if I have nothing in my hand and I'm going to the next room, I always carry, like they were joking when they were watching me play in discord. They're like, (laughs) dude, you're like always got a cup of coffee in your hand. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I always had to distract them. So for distract them. And then once I got the, uh, the Nerf gun, the phone ball, I dude, I, I was watching people on, on YouTube and legitimately physically amazed at what some I had done some crazy. Like I put a, a cup near a a jail cell and (laughs) I shot the cup and the Nerf thing bounced off the cup through the little slat and, and hit the button and opened a door that I shouldn't have been able to open. I was like, okay, I just did something that was amazing, that's right? And then I go, amazing. it is. And, but I go online and no shit. People have got like 10 cups <laughs> bouncing. And they're like, they shoot the top cup. No lie. They shoot the top cup. The top cup falls down, causes a creature to run over. The creature runs over, hits the cups. They go the other way behind it. It turns around to follow the, and I'm just like, what the, and you're sitting there watching I'm going, that's him fucking like, who the who the hell thinks that way? That's and brilliant. that's, that's brilliant. And, and it's, uh, I told you guys in the last podcast, it felt a little like Gary's mod, the video game, uh, you know, the prey game and Gary's is one of those games that's known for just allowing you to do anything with physics. And that's why mm. I think Bioshock it, it has been, it is a phenomenal title. I, I like the thief series cause they somewhat let, let yeah. you do that. Deus Deus any of those games, Deus ex. I love that kind of stuff. And, um, but, but it, it they, they are their The, the weak spot is their strong suit and that's the mm. freedom. And that freedom can, can certainly cause a narrative gap. I've had people go like, I don't know where the story is. And I've been like three hours in and I'm all dude, you you haven't played surge yet. <laughs> Wait till you uh-huh. played that, <laughs> you know? So it, it, each game does it a little differently. Um, I, I think with prey, what I'd like is a different difficulty or different options for the difficulties. So normal medium sorry normal hard hardcore or whatever i yeah. i think it would be great if you could go into the options and there were a couple more things like resource amounts maybe so you could still yeah. have it hard for life but you didn't necessarily also have to live in a world where nobody makes shit you know
0: no and that's the i guess the problem that i'm always facing but this is the point right they're being very intentional with it is that yeah, sure. you have every room you are forced to just fucking scavenge every corner. But you know what that yeah. does, Carrick? That also forces you to find every transcript, to find every terminal, yep. and to open up every possible side quest. Because sometimes you'll just listen to a transcript or look at a computer email, and you'll get a side quest, boom. And maybe you wouldn't have done that if you didn't have that incentive to search every room to get enough supplies. And I think that's you know why the the hard difficulty has its benefits. Um. But I, but I think that having multiple options like that would be fun because, again, I've, I reached that one point, like, past that point that I talked about where uh. I got stuck and I died like 30 times, I've been okay past that point. Like, I got to a mm. point where there was a, a fa- it was funny though, there was a fabricator and a recycler in this one room and there was a technopath and a fucking fire fan to protecting it and this is the point that I had no ammo and no health. It, it was the funniest thing, me trying to kill these things so I could actually just access the, the recycler and fabricator because <laughs> right. I had so much so much material and I could have made a med like tons of med kits and tons of shotgun ammo um, just to, you know, I just needed to kill those enemies. But no, I, I think that that's a great idea to, to be able to, to, manage that, to kind of micromanage the amount of resources you can get, because some people might want to play on hard, but they might not want to have to fucking, you know, spend 10 hours just finding resources as part of a you know, 15 hour game or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, it le- it raises your level of awareness, that's for sure. Like mm. when you get when you get done with a a, a location in Prey or even Prey, this it, it's game. I mean, I I can say that now that I've jumped in, I I just beat the Surge yesterday. When and when I beat it, I was like, I'm better for in Surge because of <laughs> how I played in Prey, Prey and because yeah. of Prey. And um, Maddie came off of uh of Persona into Prey, and that's why I think he's having an issue with the story presentation because. The presentation is incredibly directed in Persona. And so mm-hmm. that makes sense. It is. And that does happen to everybody. You know, you come off that game that's got this and this and this, and you come into a new game and you have to motor set yourself. And um, and, and those are two stratospheric differences. Like Persona, <laughs> which is directed to the point of telling you you have to go to sleep. And <laughs> Prey, which is like, go fuck yourself, and just shuts the door on your ass and yeah. lets you just go if, up. I, I
0: remember the, the first time I played the demo um, for Prey. Went Mm -hmm. away from that thinking, all right, yeah, that was fun. And then someone comes up to me, oh, dude, did you know you could use the glue gun to climb up this thing and and get to this random room and you got this awesome gun? And I'm like, no, like they didn't tell me you could do that. And they're like, yeah, they weren't meant to. You meant to figure that out. It's just one of those
1: games. Or I loved barricade. When I first learned or thought of learning to barricade uh, walls and, and, and windows with the glue gun. So I would go into a room and I didn't want to have to fight Somebody who might sneak up on me. So I barricaded the, the doors by just shooting glue into them, That's barricaded brilliant. the windows. And from that point on, I was like, and, and I, and I think that allowed me to probably have an easier time with some of those events that other people didn't. And also one, one of the guys told me this is when we were playing and, and, and he's like, don't, don't aim at the, the spiders. Don't aim directly at them with the glue gun, aim on purpose, left or right, and then shoot above them. And it'll put them in a, in a cage. <laughs> And I was like, no, it won't. And it does. But then I surprised him. He didn't realize that all the creatures respond to fainting. So you can uh, pretend to attack and hit the square as you're in the midst of the attack and you'll pull your wrench back. The spiders will leap because they're trying to leap out of the way. So you can actually on purpose get a spider to leap where you want it to so that you can shoot it by pretending to attack it. And then, so you go attack and then right away, whatever system you're on, it'll say, it'll give you a momentary little blurb that says like press blah, blah, blah to cancel. And so, so you go and then the creature will back up or move. And you can, once you figure out which way they normally move, you can hit them easier because I was having an issue running in and a spider get in front of me and I'd swing down that motherfucker would leap to the, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I'd be like. And I would hit empty space. I'd be like, you son of a bitch, what's going on? And then I learned faint on accident. And I was like, holy shit, this, this works and, and, wonders. And there, was another, and-
0: there was another thing that I, that I want to mention before we end this, though. Um, do you know how that sometimes there are doors where if you don't have enough leverage, um, you won't be able to lift the fucking item? One thing that I figured out, because I was stuck in this room and I'm like, I, I can't progress through the game. And I'm like, wait a minute, I have a recycler charge. What if I threw the recycler charge at that object, and it would suck it in, and you could walk through that door? You could and it do worked. it, and it fucking worked, but they don't tell oh, wow. you. You don't tell you that that's, that's possible.
1: No, and I, I told you I snuck behind the one boxes in front of the med kit when everybody else is trying to move it, and I'm like, I wonder if I can just sneak around. And I snuck around, ducked down, grabbed it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's, that's some next-level design work. like That's yeah. somebody going, we want to make it look one way. But if you think about it, there's three or four. And um, yesterday on YouTube, the last thing I'll I'll say, uh, I I don't want to hold you too long, but it it blew me away. There's a hole in the floor uh, in one of the rooms. And this guy got a glue gun and he made basically what you would call sort of a bowl out of glue. It was very deep. He got the the bad guy's attention. The bad guy jumped, (laughs) runs in, falls into the hole, and then he glues just over the top of him and leaves him there and then just runs off and gets out of the door. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, first of all, I'm like, hey, why didn't you that? kill him? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why didn't you just kill him? And he's like, I don't know. That was just far more fun than like, I ever would have thought that's it would really... be. He's, yeah, and uh, I think that's what makes a great game, regardless of the game, not even just Prey, but any of those games where like that experimentation, there's something deeper than what you're shown. Mm-hmm. And I think that when that happens with Zelda, I, I really do believe Prey and Zelda have a number of similarities when it comes to that emergent, just like go forth, my friend, and do what you will and and um I hope we see more games man Definitely. I hope I hope we see more people taking those chances
0: righty well thank you Carrick as always and and thank you yeah, to everyone that's still watching this at this point Carrick, what should be the hashtag for people to tweet out at um, at us for for reaching this point to the podcast I w-
1: There's one thing I want to say, but there's no way I want that tweeted a bunch. Um, Let's see. Uh, It's about the review. About the review fiasco. Oh, no. Uh, Oh, oh, let's see.
0: You're stroking your beard, Carrick. It could be hashtag beard.
1: (laughs) Beard stroke. (laughs) It's it's just wrong in so many ways. What was the last one? It was roast. It was roast. uh, What? Oh, dude. Can you do hashtag? What's the Scorpio? Okay,
0: hashtag what is the Scorpio. That's yeah, what you need what to tweet out to us. Um, obviously, because we talked about that in the video, in the podcast. Thank you, Carrick, as always. Thank you to everyone that's that that joined us. Um, again, apologies for Maddie. Uh, he's going to upload this video. I'll make sure he has timestamps, etc.
2: And until next time, take care. We'll see you next week.
1: Peace out.